Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another rather professional episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. Good evening. It's such a such a quiet intro. It's not what I expect from you. You know, I... Uh, Is this I, NPR? Are we on NPR? I thought about, like, bringing it in real hot, but I thought, you know, if I start low, then... And build up. Oh, it just, it gives, it gives you so much more headroom. And uh, I love having as much room as possible for my head. May, maybe even max headroom? Max headroom. That sounds like a, like a dude's name. Like, I feel it like is. that has to be a person. It, it's a thing. It, it, that was a show like in the 80s. Oh, really? Yes. Well, I, uh, you know, they That's say for you to Google later. They say you learn something new every day, and uh, I do. That's a deep cut for but, the audience. Yeah. And a first cut for you, I guess. Or Is that how you use it? I don't know. Sure. Next Headroom, check it out. Yeah. Should, I mean. Should we bring it out? Bring it back? I don't know. May, well, as we just learned, I am absolutely in the worst possible position to judge. Hey, speaking of TV shows, how uh, how's about that WandaVision, huh? Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I am I'm oh absolutely blown goodness. away by how strong that show is and how, how fresh and kind of different it is. It really, 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 really is. Um, and people who aren't enjoying it have uh, forgotten how to watch TV. I, I haven't seen any comments. Like, maybe that's just because of how, like, all of these media platforms have, like, tailored my feed. But Could I, be. I watch like a lot of negative reviewers and pretty much all of them are like, yeah, WandaVision's amazing. <laughs> well, like I've run into some people who uh, especially some who are like film buffs or, uh, you know, you know, those types or uh, self-proclaimed film buffs. Yes. And uh, <laughs> and, you know, and some of whom will look down their nose at basically anything that okay that uses cg um and they don't really follow marvel and stuff or they do but just in passing and i feel like hating on cg is the same as hating on like lighting fixtures or costumes or uh, curtains yeah. yeah at what point does the implement not become you know pure theater right right um so anyway, so if the play is not performed in Greece, I mean, can you really even consider it real? Yeah, exactly. In um, an amphitheater, and and only uh, only a specific type, or maybe only one specific amphitheater. But anyway, you know, in the Elizabethan theater, uh, women were not permitted to to act on stage. That was uncouth. So clearly, anytime there's a woman on stage, is also not pure theater correct yeah i mean we could dive way down this rabbit hole but uh it's not a rabbit hole worth going down uh no it's not i suppose not because but we are one division not that snooty amazing. super super good and if you've only watched like the first episode or the first two keep watching keep watching they don't have to just give you all the answers right away and uh, you don't have to be able to binge an entire series in order to 
uh, enjoy it. This is something cute that my wife does. You know, she she'll say, "Who's that guy?" And I'll be like, "I know as much as you do, dear." Right? <laughs> like been, we've been, been sitting here this the same amount of time that you have. <laughs> yeah, but we get relied on to like know extra stuff and. It, when it comes to knowing anything practical, she doesn't come to me. But when it comes to knowing nonsense on the Internet, oh, oh boy, you're you are her guy. I'm her guy. And I what what I have uh, my strategy for that is if you're watching this and you and you have been watching, not like paying attention to your phone 85 percent of the time and then you look up every now and then. But if you've actually been watching the show and you're feeling confused or like like Based. you you see a detail and you're like, I don't quite get how that factors in or something. Most of the time, if you're asking a question while watching the show, chances are the showrunner wants you to be asking that question right now and the answer will be coming later. Yeah, you know, and this is also true on the tabletop, you know, like, hey, man, I'm not going to explain the whole thing to you. That would derail the pace, right? Like, mm. just enjoy it <clears throat> and uh, answers are coming. I feel attacked. What? what? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> no, don't don't dial it back. <laughs> no. Don't, yeah, don't, you know, don't, I don't do know. that. <laughs> answers are answers are coming just enjoy it yes that's right you know because we're in it for the journey not the destination that's yeah. uh and that is exactly why we are uh stringing all of you along for uh one of our <laughs> belabored intros because it's about us not you um <laughs> so, and speaking of destinations that is one of the books that you've just produced right dangerous destinations well it's being produced it's being but, produced you're working on it um actually you know what before we jump into the main topic because that was a good segue but i'm gonna stop sure um so i i made a post on the uh dungeon and dragons facebook it Oh, uh, oh, yes, you did. And I figure I might as well share the, the, the story here. You know, I thought that'd be funny because it kind of blew up a little bit. It. Yeah. And I mean, did OK. <laughs> it it deserved to blow up. I mean, it's yeah. Share. Yeah. So on Sunday, I made another attempt to run a game with my family, uh, which was all in person uh, again. So who's and who are your players? So my players are my father, my wife, uh, my oldest daughter, and my brother. Okay. So they're all playing, you know, pretty much their first campaign, or at least their first campaign in a long time. Sure. Right. So for for my wife, she used to play with me back in the fourth ed days. I think she did one three point five game. Um, mm. I don't know if my father has played since he was in college, and I think he only only maybe did it once. Mm. and my brother i'm pretty sure has never played so um and of course my eldest daughter this is the first game i am sharing with her sure so anyway long story short i killed my wife (laughs) and it was valentine's day oh yeah on february 14th i ran a dungeons and dragons campaign where i the dungeon master slew the character 
that my wife was playing. Oh, and with uh, massive damage, uh, that, no death saving throws. <laughs> Whoo! That's uh, you know if if you're gonna do a thing, do it big. You know, I had the screen in front of me, and I rolled the dice, and I I almost decided to pull my punch or fudge. Uh huh. But I realized that I should never play poker. Oh, because she my, she saw. She didn't see the dice, but she, she saw, saw your face. face. She saw your face, <laughs> and the dice might as well have just been on your face. They might as well have been. I rolled beautifully. <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, I mean, it was like n- almost perfect maximum damage oh. on uh, an Azer, you know, who is like this little fire dwarf, and he bashes her in the head with a warham- a flaming warhammer. And she had two hit points when he walked up to her. Oh, because she hadn't healed from the previous encounter. And to her credit, she was perfectly honest. Like, I only have two hit points. And I was like, man, you might have role played your injury a little more. (laughs) Sure. Reason to let us know that you have two hit points. But I think it just slipped her mind and she just wasn't thinking about it. And then she looked down to like record her hit points and was like, oh. Oh, and I was like, what is your maximum hit points? And then she told me and I was like, oh, boy. (laughs) So uh, Um, you died. Uh, And and that might sound like I ran an imbalanced encounter, which I sort of did. But he wasn't meant to be part of that encounter. She just she walked into the into the area and, and she had the longest range. She's the ranger. And she and she shot him first. And I was like. Okay, maybe I could have illustrated that he was impartial to the scenario a little more. But um, oh, yeah. then I was like, well, what's he going to do? Well, he's going to react. Mm. And um, the team has not learned about a lot of basic tactics yet. I so the the only phrase that came to my mind after you told me this was to to her and the rest of the party. What did you learn? <laughs> I know, right? Well, the, the barbarian was off doing something else instead of tanking, right? Um, the rogue was dealing with a different target, uh, and the druid was, uh, I think, helping the barbarian. Mm. And so they're all split apart. They're not focusing targets. You know, they're not thinking about how many spaces they need to move to maximize range or whatever. and you know, and that's all common with with new players. Uh, sure. But I also felt it was important to be honest. Yeah. Because I have often pulled punches and I felt like there was some major DM cred in honestly killing your wife. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And watching the uh, watching the comments fly in on that post. Oh, they were great. They just were fantastic. Every. Every other comment pretty much was like, enjoy the doghouse. Hope your couch is comfy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, were, every other comment was basically that. There were a lot of great GIF comments. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was it was endless fun. So That's thank you to everybody who said something on that. Super terrific. That was so uh, it got yeah, big. So 
I think that that's like a, a DM achievement, right? Kill your wife or girlfriend or, or significant other. Oh, right? sure. In the game, in the game, don't send me another FBI agent. I'm sure I have one, but you know, I, yeah, you know, a small squad. I don't think. No, don't do that. <laughs> um, so you he, might say that my home became a dangerous destination <laughs> yes. instead of a spectacular settlement, uh, at uh, which least for both, you, which are both products that you have produced. And that is what we're hoping to talk about today. Um, this is going to be me interviewing you. Well, I, you are an accomplished author, sir. That's, that's very kind of you to say. Um, yes, it still feels weird for uh for me to say or hear um because well nobody yeah. has stopped off at my house with a dump truck full of money um oh and i'm sure that it's on its way um but you know in the meantime my name's in a couple books so that's neat <laughs> and that's huge by the way i've got a song for you it's called overnight sensation by the raspberries Hmm. That's your that's your homework. Enjoy. All right. Um. So anyway, I will write that down. Talk talk to me about the story of spectacular settlements because that was your first major book, right? Your first big title. That was <laughs> this. I mean, right now, it's technically your only one. This this is gonna this is gonna sound silly, but it's it's my first. It's it was my first project period right um like out of college yes out so, of college um so i like, mean i'd worked on a few a few other things in terms of uh like i worked at uh like uh online mmo companies where i you know did customer support or in-game stuff like that but this this was my first like honest to goodness rpg product yeah so why why settlements how you know how did you get hired you know walk me through the story tell me the story well um well as with any of my stories it was a long and winding road um but ultimately after um some stuff with one of my previous jobs i had um unfortunately had to go through a uh kind of a rough period of unemployment and I was down in uh, living in Santa Cruz at the uh, at the time and I was looking to do a bit of networking try to you know make some friends who uh, shared my interests and stuff like that as you do Uh, so I checked out the Capitola mall um, where they had a game store called uh it was first it was called game a lot and then they uh they were purchased by a local uh fella who had a couple other stores over in san jose and uh it ultimately became legends um but i as a lot of RPG players do, uh, when they're looking for a group, you check out your friendly local game store. Uh, sure. So I did and asked if they had any, actually any board game groups. 
and they said they did. And it was um, every Wednesday night. And it was being run by this guy named Chris Haskins. Uh, so I showed up one night and Chris and I hit it off immediately. And we even found out we had a bunch of crazy stuff in common. Like uh, he and my wife, um, while being a year apart share the same birthday um his uh and his wife's anniversary and my and my wife's anniversary are only two weeks apart um now and i mean obviously this is uh way further down the road um his his uh first kids uh due date was literally the day after my first kid's due date. Like, it's weird how much stuff between the two of us lined up. Um, so, so there's like some serendipity there, kind he, of like, yeah, uh, oh, that's really odd. Like, maybe the cosmos are drawing us together, right? R- right. It totally felt like that. Um, so, sure. Chris and I you know, really got to know each other, started, you know, we would hang out constantly. Um, and a few years passed. And I mean, over that time, you just, you get to know someone, get to know what they're good at and things. And Chris had, um, started Nord and had already done several, uh, smaller projects, done a few books. Um, he had worked on a lot of these things with uh with now our mutual friend uh ralph and his uh significant other uh lou who live over in the uk and uh they put together some of our uh npc books like we've got uh, Revenge of the Horde, which is all about goblins and orcs and stuff. And we've got Ultimate NPCs Skullduggery, which is all about, um, you know, rogues, assassins, and all the criminal underworld types. Uh, and they also did like a few card games, put together some uh, critical hit decks and things like that. So they had done um, a pretty good stack of products before I ever got involved um and one of one of the reasons for that was mainly that um it it was as with most things in business it was a a finances thing like the company was just so small that they couldn't really support bringing on someone else um but as things started uh picking up a few years down the line Um, and I was kind of transitioning jobs and, uh, babies were on the way and things like that. And it, you know, the, uh, the stars were pointing toward change. Uh, and Chris finally was like, Hey man, you know, I think it's time for us to, uh, be able to take the next step. I want you to come on and, um, and basically, uh, take over as uh handling the game design portion of things um and that was kind of before we formalized uh job titles i mean it it really had this uh and it still has kind of this 
real startup sort of vibe where, um, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like there's this formal hierarchy or anything like that. It's more like, you know, people just have ideas and try to make those ideas work and you contribute to the project in whatever ways you're capable of contributing to the project. Um, so that's basically how I got there. And Chris basically has this big raft of ideas and folders and stuff. Um, just kind of sitting there waiting for, okay, what's, what should our next project be? And he came at me with, um, an idea about making a book that helps to generate places. Mm -hmm. And the original idea was, was that, uh, it would be something where you could roll up a, a settlement completely on the fly, like mid game where it would take you like five to 10 minutes and very shortly into uh tossing this idea around i was like yeah that's not gonna it's <laughs> not gonna happen um i was gonna say because i've used spectacular settlements and it doesn't take 10 minutes no, it takes much longer than no, that it it does even just for a trading post yeah and because well and i i guess when to answer your question why settlements it was because Chris told me I want us to do a a book that handles settlements that makes places. So that well, there must have been a, in in you know some reason for him to want to do that even right like why settlement specifically? I mean, as it is, the Dungeon Master's Guide does provide um, tables to help roll up a settlement, right? And by the way, <laughs> and basically the what it really came down to was he had looked around and felt like that need wasn't really being addressed um, or at least being addressed as well as it maybe could be. Uh, sure. And yeah. I mean, I, I'll definitely say spectacular settlements goes in a lot more detail. Right. And and that's that's pretty much when it really fell into my lap. Chris and I kind of figured out the, the general idea of like, okay, what is this book generally supposed to do? And then once we got that done, I basically decided where to take it from there. And then I started hammering on the writing and figuring things out that way and um taking the initial concept that we had and and figuring out how to make it work and figuring out what things didn't seem like they were going to work and what to do instead so what did an average work day look like for you when you were grinding out this book uh typing <laughs> lots of typing um you know, it how'd, how'd you deal with that? Because I mean, that sounds like not your thing. I have to tell you, like from from knowing you, that sounds like a lot more sitting and a lot more. 
I don't know. That seems like a much more like patient type of work. Well, it it depends on the day. Like the nice thing about writing, um, you know, to to take a little bit of a uh, a chronological step back. I actually originally started college as an animation major because I enjoyed drawing, but I ultimately switched to game art and design because animation, if you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with at least how, how traditional animation works. Yeah. You're essentially drawing the same thing over and over and over and over and over with, you know, sometimes imperceptibly small changes um, between them. And it can, it's, it's very tedious. It's very laborious. Um, And for me, it's not what I, uh, what I enjoyed about doing art. Um, You know, I like drawing something cool and then moving on to drawing something else that's cool. I don't want to just literally draw exactly the same thing over and over. Um, right. All those sort of mundane movements and stuff like that. But, right. Okay. But like w- when you're writing this thing out, I mean, there's gotta be some tedium involved. There's gotta be a lot of, let's say grind um, in- involved, but you didn't feel that way. Or did you feel like when it came to the there, writing that it was more open? There were, there were times, um, but Especially with settlement, I mean, it was it was such a a new um, kind of pursuit for mm. me that I was figuring stuff out as I went. Um, okay. So so that side of things, it wasn't very tedious, at least in that way. Um, mm-hmm. What my days tended to look like were more like um, either I was writing out the tables and stuff and just um, putting those little dice rolls together and things, or I was just trying to figure out the structure of the thing. Because for, for anyone who hasn't messed around with settlements at all, and if you'd like to, you can actually go over to uh, nordgamesllc.com and uh, you can actually find a free uh, preview PDF of settlements that I think has the the first whole uh, chapter of uh, trading posts in there and you can play with it and see how it works. Um, so you've got these tables that basically help you go from this kind of high high up a general perspective. How old is the settlement? What size is the settlement? That sort of stuff. And they then start zooming in more and more each time till you start getting down into the specifics of like what actual shops are there and, um, you know, perhaps little hooks for things that might be happening around town. So a lot of those general tables, I realized I wanted to have them affect later developments in the builders. So the, um, 
Uh, yeah. So then you have the modifiers, right? Right. Like, um, like you'd have the uh, the size of the place, or oh, like for uh, for trading posts, the uh, the age of the trading post would also modify the amount of visitor traffic that it could get because if a trading post has been around for a while, it's because it's getting business and because you're getting people coming to it to support its existence. Um, So you have those little modifiers that can uh, change later roles. I didn't go into writing the book with that specific um, method of doing things in my head. So some of the time was spent writing. Some of the time was literally spent thinking um, and really trying to figure out sometimes on a piece of paper, sometimes on like a dry erase board, but figuring. You put up a dry erase board in like your little like man shed, didn't you? In my office. Yeah, I've got a four by eight dry erase board on my wall. Um, and it, did that make you feel like you were like doing it right? Like you were one of these like Silicon Valley types, you know, like getting up writing on your dry erase board. Very, very close. I mean, if I really wanted to be like super legit, it'd have to be like a pane of glass in the middle of the room. So you like right. can see through it. Right. Because because <laughs> things are easier to read that way. Um, yeah, I don't know why they do that. It's it's, it's ridiculous. Um but yeah, no, having having the dry erase board, at least for me, um, kind of like how how you said um, when you're when you're doing class, you like to have your students uh, like physically writing notes, like actually yeah. taking stuff down because it helps kind of ingrain it in your head. Um, the dry erase oh, I, board. I, and I love uh, I love those boards, too, because like when when they get busy I'll, I'll start writing game design stuff on my dry erase board in the class and they're like what's that about I'm like never mind go back never to you mind he's just sitting there going <laughs> hmm yeah and it you know just getting the marker out and starting to just scrawl all over things can kind of yeah help ideas sort themselves out a little bit um were you able to take like frequent breaks would you like get up and and like walk around or like i don't know do some push-ups or or like i don't know you know i i honestly don't even remember um it was all blur huh it's i <laughs> mean all all i really remember is writing and figuring out kind of how the thing should just be put together and if i ever felt like i hit a block or you know like i was just kind of yeah. done um so you know i'd try to push through it for a little bit mm-hmm. and if nothing was coming i'd stop um or i okay. maybe jump to a different part of the book and yeah, then come back um because that's that's actually something that a lot of uh that a lot of board game designers in particular uh will typically have a handful of projects running in tandem and they basically will work on one. And then if 
if they run into a roadblock with it or can't quite figure out how to make something work, they'll put that up on a shelf and go to this other one. And what's interesting about the human brain is that once once it encounters a problem that that you actually care about, it will kind of problem solve in the background mm. where you will almost kind of subconsciously start looking for things or plugging ideas into the into the space now created by that problem where it's looking for an answer and as you see things in day-to-day life or you know if you come up with something while you're working on something else every now and then you might get something where you have that little light bulb moment and you go oh this would yeah, fit right. really nice over here or wow that's that's the answer i needed and and it just and it feels like it just came out of the clear blue sky but it came to you that way because you already had the problem and your brain was just sort of on the lookout right. and so it's like this sort of creative surfing right You're right just catching the waves and, and yeah. taking them where they go and yeah and that kind of thing that's really cool yeah that's really cool so yeah you know, you're you're writing a lot, but it's also a lot of game design, right? Yeah. Because you got to think about, you know, not just what is every place that exists, but like what's engaging, right? Or right. interesting in, in some way. And, right. and then, of course, there's the interface of building the tables. Yeah. You have essentially like a character sheet that goes with it. Yeah. Um, you know, so here's a question you're not prepared for, but maybe you are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, what are like your top three design philosophies when it comes to game design? Oh man, I was, <laughs> I was, I I don't want to say I was dreading this question, um, <laughs> but I had considered it. Uh, oh, okay. So this, this, this even sounds kind of stupid to me, but make it fun. Like, and on on the surface, it sounds like such a such a total no brainer. But especially with with RPGs, it can be so so easy to fall into the trap of like, am I making this realistic? Or right. is you know you can you can get hung up on. Uh, maybe unintentionally wanting to be simulationist. Um, and it can. Yeah. Kind of like the Bethesda method of like, okay, I'm going to design every house and every yeah. piece of dinnerware that's in every house, you know, right. Like, and, and versus doing something more impressionist. And if that's, and if that's what you want to do, if that's what you enjoy doing, and if that's, what the product you're trying to make is because that's what it is. It's a product. Um, then all the power to you, but if what you're doing doesn't serve fun, then get rid of it. You know, Mm. make, 
know the kind of experience that you're trying to create, know what sort of vibe or feel you're going for. And, you know, as I, as I have mentioned already, you know, you can go into a project not really knowing that stuff or you'll, you'll kind of figure it out as you go, but be conscious of the need for it. And as you get a handle on, okay, I'm starting to get the feel for what this thing's identity is. Make sure that the, that the design, the design decisions that you make point toward your goal and intent with the game. Make sure that your design decisions support what you're trying to do and keep the experience fun while doing it. Okay. So what's like philosophy number two, like fun's important to game design. Got it. Fun. Fun (laughs) is important to game design. Um, I have always been a fan of not punishing the user. Um, So when challenging, but not punishing. Yeah. Like when, whenever possible offer, offer a carrot, never make someone feel bad or penalized for playing your game. Mm. If you can reward the user, do it. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be something as, um, as blatant as like, Oh, you get experience points or you get to level. Like maybe it's just, you get to discover something cool just in your head. I mean, with, with settlements, the fun is, is in watching an idea evolve, like almost right in front of your eyes. Yeah. There's really no reward or punishment. Like, I don't know, maybe design is its own reward, but like, you know, you, you never go, Oh no, my population is low. I'm screwed. Like, no, that's just another thing. That's interesting. Right. Exactly. And, and to me, the, the reward that the user gets is that is, is that kind of engagement that the tool itself is fun to use. And, and it, and at the end you get this really neat, unique place that you watched develop pretty much right in front of your eyes. Um, and that, and that's cool. That's, and it's fun. Um, so like, yeah, you made a bunch of like random tables that enable you to sort of design your settlement. But after that, you also had a bunch of pre-written places, right? Right. And did you, you wrote a lot of those, didn't you? I wrote a few of them. Um, I like, I think I wrote maybe, I would say maybe four and there are 64 of them. (laughs) So, uh, we had a lot of guest, um, folks who have worked with Nord in the past who jumped in on it as well as a few people, uh, from the company itself, uh, write some, but I, I did write a few. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, what was it like? Well, actually, before I get to that, 
I think almost everybody listening to this has probably tried some sort of creative effort. Mm-hmm. But I find that the hard part is uh, finishing. Oh, my God. Finishing your project. How did you do that? <laughs> How did you finish? Um, Was it just you had no choice or, you know, how did it? How did it come to an end? And by the way, and this book, I know we've mentioned it before on the show, but, you know, it's substantial. It's pretty huge. So like, how, how did you actually get it done? Well, I, part, part of me just wants to say, I I don't know. Um, But (laughs) design it it just kind of, all of a sudden it, it just showed up in the mail one day, a store (laughs) carried it to my house. Try not um, to think too much about it, maybe. Kind of. Um, but no, it it's honestly a combination of things. Um, cause once once you have the identity of the book figured out, then you start to kind of nail down, okay, I know what the general book is supposed to be. Now let's think chapters. Let's think specific content. What does this book need to do? And what chapters does it need in order to accomplish that? And once you start down the road of, okay, I'm going to make a list of sections of the book, then I'll figure out, okay, what chapters need to be within those sections. Then I figure out what subsections need to be in those chapters and then you get to the individual little tables um and then it's just you know trying to write those individual tables and um and the blurbs that go along with them basically one at a time and i basically just wrote and wrote and wrote each of those little sections and stuff until i flipped through like the trading post chapter and I was like, okay, is there, do I feel like anything here is getting missed? Like I'll, I'll do like a little play test and try rolling up a couple trading posts and I'll look at the experience of rolling up those little tables and go in my end result. Is there anything that I feel was missing like oh man i wish i i wish x had shown up i wish i had you know i wish it told me about this thing and then i go oh i'll put a table in for that so once i get to the end of a chapter and i test it you know several times and i look at the tables and make sure all the numbers are kind of where they're supposed to be and i and I don't feel like anything's missing and feel is such a, such a goofy word because it's so, well, yeah, yeah. It's a word you've used a lot tonight, you know, because it, it seems like you allow a lot of intuition there's to kind of, kind of drive. Yes. There's, there's a ton and it's, it's such a Andrew Gerson. All, <laughs> maybe not the highest int, but pretty high wisdom. I, I suppose. <laughs> Um, that's, that's very flattering. Thank you. Um, at least the, the wisdom part. Second part. Um, (laughs) 
it's weird. I, I was, um, after work today, I was over in the backyard playing with the kids and I was thinking about, there you go. I was thinking about this, uh, about our, our show tonight. And I was thinking about the question of like design philosophy or like explain your process or something like that. Um, and that was something that really hit me as, as a difficult thing because a lot of what I do winds up being just going with my gut. There are, Mm. there are certain things that I just feel there's that word again, where I just, I get a sense that it's, that something's a good idea or that it's a bad idea. Um, there, there were, there were a lot of times in the process of making settlements where I had something that I thought was a great idea. And I even put it down on paper. I had it built out like a little system and everything. And I look at the thing and I go, dang, this is cool. And then I put it into the main builder and I'd try the builder. I go, this feels weird. It feels like there's like a hiccup or something like just, Something mm. feels off. And I tried again, tried again, tried again. And it, it still feel like that was there. And then I'd look at the little thing I came up with and I'd go, dang it. I, I really like you, but <laughs> you are not right for this spot. And wow, so it's like you have to break up with your idea pretty much. And, and you know, they, they always say, uh, you kill know, in art, kill your darlings. That's exactly right. Yeah. And and I had to do a lot of that. And it was weird because you, I was doing it with myself. Like, no one else was telling me, cut that. I'm the guy who, who decides if these things get cut. So I'm coming up with this super cool idea and then I immediately turn around and go, that super cool idea isn't right for this. Um, so, you know, they, they talk about, you know, signs of insanity being uh, having an argument with yourself. And um, <laughs> it's, it's even worse when you have an argument with yourself and lose. Um, <laughs> but there were, there were a lot of times where I, come up with ideas and have to have to gut them and you know it it took a lot of you know we've talked about this on this show several times before too how you know doing anything creative usually you will be your own worst critic and this kind of put me through a bit of a ringer um it was sort of a trial by fire where I I had to get pretty good at coming up with stuff and at the same time being okay with cutting the same things and going, okay, I like this thing and I can cut, but I can cut that thing without feeling bad. So let, let me jump in sure. here though I, and ask about the process itself, like the physical not not anymore like the design process or writing, but like 
I want to, I'm a listener and I want to produce a book. Okay. What, what, what does that look like? So the first thing you want to do is look around to see what else is out there that might do what you're thinking of, because chance okay, and then chances are there is something. And if there is something right. that does what you are thinking about doing, what you're doing needs to have something truly unique or special about it otherwise do something else so that's that's step number one make sure that what you're doing is actually worth doing and okay sure and then number two number two is you sit down and start writing um so high level first figure out your your basic 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 concept your elevator pitch call it whatever you want but be able to sum up in a sentence or two maybe a paragraph at most what is this thing what is it for then once you've got your book's identity and you know what this thing's job is then you start breaking down okay how how is this book going to do that thing? And once you know the answer to that, like for for settlements, I was like, okay, I need chapters in which the user will build a settlement and the chapters will be for the different settlement types, trading posts, villages, towns, cities, capitals, fortresses. So I knew that I need a chapter for each of those different things. And I wanted each of those chapters to be self-contained. So if somebody wanted to build a city, they didn't, you could turn to the city chapter of that book and do it and get a city. You didn't need to turn to the trading post chapter for anything. So. Right. Which is nice. That. You don't have to do a lot of hopping around. Right. So that is something that kind of early on I knew, okay, I I want to minimize the amount of backtracking that anyone has to do, ideally having none. So we can we can almost put that in the that third design philosophy, right? Right. Like like don't rip, don't jump around right. walk forward. Well and I um, I actually um while we were talking I did think about uh, maybe what my third design philosophy is. And it's just focus on usability and user experience. Make mm. whatever it is, pardon me, make whatever it is that you're making pleasant or at the very least easy for the end user to use. That's okay. So let's, we've gone through the process and we've, and we've written the book that what's the, like our, our problems over, um, step three profit. Yep. Oh, great. No. Um, (laughs) so, (laughs) so basically one of the, this is where it kind of gets into sort of an order of operations kind of thing. Cause depending on your resources, um, the order that you do things 
can vary. Um, typically, while the book is being written, as soon as you know what content you're going to have in the book, um, you know, may, maybe you don't know the exact verbiage, but you know, like what the chapters are about and maybe what the general uh, chapter subsections are and things like that. Once you start sure. getting those details, you then have enough to start thinking about artwork. So if you are writing a book, have good artwork. It matters. If, if all you put out is words, it is not going to sell nearly as well, if at all, compared to something that has good artwork. It, it seems superficial, but it's a huge deal. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, you have to have that visual eye catcher. Yes, it's it's. And by the way, the, the illustrations in the book are are beautiful. They're lovely. Oh, man. I, shout out to uh, Karen Petrasco in particular. Uh, she did she did the cover um, and she also did a whole bunch of the um, of the sketch artwork in the in the book and there are there are several other um very very talented artists who also contributed to the book i just i i worked with uh with karen on several of the uh things she was doing um so i'm much more familiar with her than than the others uh ralph who i mentioned earlier is our uh art director so he is the one that interfaces with uh, our artists the most. Um, nice. So, okay. So you, we we've produced uh, the artwork and the writing. Then, then what? Then you have layout. So you have somebody typically using um, uh, Adobe InDesign to do right. to actually lay out the book. And for anyone out there trying to uh, trying to do this, a lot of the writing, um, the general standard is using Google Docs to to do the actual writing. And then there is there's some kind of extension or utility or tool uh, program that. I know Ralph uses it. I know uh, Chris Vanderlinden over at Loresmith uses this. Um, I'm sure there are a bunch of other folks that use it too, where it basically links your Google Doc to your InDesign file. And you can basically set up certain parameters so that it knows, okay, if I see heading number four in the Google Doc, make it look like this in the InDesign file so that it can basically automatically do a lot of the layout grunt work for you, which is huge for time saving. I don't know what that tool is called, but I think if you Google around for like, how to link my Google Docs to my InDesign file. Um, 
it should take you uh, well, in sure. the right direction. Um, so, but that's a very important a, tool. Sure. So you've you you you've done the layout, and then how do you how do you like get it? I don't know. Printed. To get it printed, you have to look for manufacturing and that okay and how much of that did you have anything to do with or did was that mostly uh, precisely diddly um and and that's the way you'd prefer it that that's that's exactly (laughs) how i like it uh chris had uh um and ralph and you know the rest of the team had had established relationships with uh printers already um and since then we actually uh changed printers because when time came to get this thing printed we were printing uh from a company in china but covid happened and Mm -hmm. threw everything into the wind um so we had to find another option because things were just not happening not not gonna happen so we had to look around get quotes and all that stuff and we found another uh exceptional printer in uh, i think in belgium um and we actually wound up getting settlements and treacherous traps and uh Ultimate Bestiary, Dreaded Accursed, all three of those books printed at this uh, with this Belgian company simultaneously and had them all shipped at once. Um, It was really big. Um, So that's that's more on the logistics end of things. And I'm not sure what the process is for kind of discovering um how those companies work. Yeah. I mean, there's more I would ask about the uh, sort of production process and in the marketing, because I know you guys had a really successful Kickstarter and and then you had another one here with uh, Dangerous Destinations. And, you know, that could almost be its own thing, like how to how to run a Kickstarter, because, I mean, you you guys know how to do it. But Chris has really uh, he's gotten a ton of experience uh doing that he's gotten very good at it and honestly um for for any folks out there who are thinking about doing a kickstarter be careful because kickstarter can be can be a real bear um and there are a lot of i think hidden difficulties and speed bumps that you can run into, especially if you're a bit hasty about um, doing the project. Like one extremely common thing that uh, people doing Kickstarters, especially for something that's a physical product um, that often gets overlooked and can sometimes be catastrophically detrimental. I'm talking like, like you'll lose your house kind of detrimental is overlooking shipping costs. Um, You'll have, uh, you know, a Kickstarter go up for, for a book or a pack of dice or something. Um, 
some physical good that needs to be shipped to people. And maybe that gets overlooked and all you're charging people is like the cover price of the product itself. So you don't want to wind up charging these people out the nose for shipping that you didn't tell them about before. So being a good company, you go, ah, we'll cover it. And it bankrupts you. Um, you know, right. So we assuming we avoid that, you know, it, it, it seems like, you know, we could go on a long time. Well, sure. We, we I, I don't j- have a ton of time. Left. I, I just say that because I know that um, there are a ton of people out there who are like, oh, yeah, I'll start a Kickstarter project and I'll get a million dollars and everything will be freaking great. And I don't want anyone out there, especially those folks who are very committed to their ideas, starting a Kickstarter and overlooking important but subtle details um, and running themselves into a situation that could really negatively impact your life. Sure. So we we definitely get. Yeah. Um, So do do your homework due diligence. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, the thing gets printed, it gets sold, it gets shipped. It looks like it's going really well and then it gets mailed. And what I want to ask you about is what it felt like to hold that product in your hand. It was, it was so surreal. Like, you know, I, I think I've said this multiple times on the show, but, uh, you know, what's in that book represents about two years of my life in terms of work. Um, mm-hmm. And it was it was really validating and just yeah. kind of, you know, you just look at this thing. And it, it, like you said, it's a big book. Um, and to just. Yeah, I think a tome is the right word. It, it is the right word. Um, and to just. <laughs> see that it's a real thing and what honestly what what was even more validating was all the feedback i see on the book anyone that's anyone that's picked it up everyone has been happy with it they've they've enjoyed it they've had a good time with it it's been useful i even saw a youtube video go up that said that it was the like the best RPG product they'd ever purchased, which blew me sideways. I was like, wow, what? <laughs> um, but I, I even wound up getting in touch with the guy because I was like, wow, man, like that, that was incredible to hear that someone was having that much fun with it. And that yeah, th- did he respond back? Yeah. And I've, I've gone back and forth with him a few times. In fact, he's a, he's an audio engineer who gave me a few tips on how to make editing this podcast better. So, oh, great. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. He's, he's a very cool guy. Uh, and you know, it's the feelings that come with doing something like this are complicated and, um, and can be really big, but it's, it's also very worth it. Um, and it's, you know, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like it's easy cause it's not. Um, but 
uh, well, it's, I don't know it. If is it worth it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say that it's worth it. I mean, it's, Good. it's something, it's something very cool to put on your resume. I mean, being able to have even a few titles under your belt is, it's really great, you know, and it helps me establish a little bit of credibility, which is nice. Um, Look, honey, see, it's real. It's I wasn't real. making it up. I wasn't making it up. <laughs> exactly. Um, Don't act so surprised. <laughs> seriously. Um, so, you know, it's it's quite it's quite an experience, um, and I'm incredibly lucky to be where I am, working with the people I work with. It's not something that everybody gets the chance to do. The industry just isn't that big. Um, but I, w- I would say to anyone who's out there who's looking to do this kind of stuff, make friends with people in the business and don't make friends with them to get a job. That's just using people. But get to know the the people in this in the business get to know people who are fans you know it's like it's like uh was it six degrees of kevin bacon like you get to know somebody they may just know somebody who may know somebody who's in the business and you never know where your chance is going to come from so put yourself out there and get get to know people love those people get to be their legitimate friends and see where see where life takes you because so you're saying that the secret ingredient is love you bet i am (laughs) because it is great it is it is um well that's fantastic man uh yeah it's a great product and and uh well done to you for having produced it and i think that you know hopefully you'll have some insight to share with others and i'm i'm sure that if people wanted to know more they could probably hit us up about that yeah oh absolutely they honestly uh a great place to hit us up would be uh our discord and you can uh-huh. get access to that discord if you support us on patreon at the very humble level of just five bucks a month um so that's over at patreon.com slash inspiration point and there's also a much higher tier at a hundred bucks where if you back us there you get access to the discord and all that cool stuff but on top of that adam here will run a game for you which is pretty cool um yeah and an ongoing campaign not a session no not a (laughs) session yes um also uh Speaking of Patreon, we would be remiss if we did not say a big thank you to our current patrons, Spike and Logan, um, who are backers for us on there, and they have been steadfast and also uh, participate very regularly in uh, in the Discord. We get some great conversations going. Um, yep. And then also uh, just please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, wherever you found us. 
And if this is your first time listening, be sure to download and check out our other episodes. You should be able to find us pretty much anywhere podcasts are syndicated, um, including iTunes and Spotify. Uh, And if you listen anywhere that allows for reviews, please leave us a five-star review and comment, post a written review. Let us know what you think. We love to read that stuff. Um, You can also find our website at inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. And we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspirationpointpodcast. And we're on Twitter at IPRPGcast. So um, all that rigmarole out of the way. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us. And uh, I really hope that this uh, conversation we had um, inspires even some of you out there to go for it with anything that you're thinking about doing, any creative endeavor, any writing, uh, visual art, music, whatever it is, just go for it and get over those speed bumps. Keep pushing. Um, Cause <laughs> just do it. <laughs> hey, you know, for me with writing, like a lot of times the hardest part is just sitting down and starting to write. Once you get going, momentum is momentum's the easy part. It's right. It's having the courage to to get going. That's tough. Mm. So, gotcha. you know, stay motivated. You'll get there. So, I hope that uh, that that leaves you all inspired. And until next time, stay inspired. Bye. Bye.